and welcome to this edition of the Heart Podcast. Today we'll be discussing a paper entitled A Novel Diagnostic Protocol to Identify Patients Suitable for Discharge After a Single High Sensitivity Troponin. The lead author of the paper, Dr. Edward Carlton, joins me on the line now. Hello, Ed. Hi, how are you? Well, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, certainly this is an interesting topic on how we use troponin in the emergency room. I understand you carried out this research at uh, Poole Hospital in the southwest of England. And traditional guidelines at the moment do tell us that we should be aiming for two diagnostic troponin samples. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that is correct. There was some very recent NICE guidance at the end of last year which suggests that high-sensitivity troponin in particular should be used two separate samples three hours apart. Our design for our research preceded that guidance, and what we were really aiming to do was to see whether we could get away with uh, using a single troponin taken at the front door in order to rule out major adverse events in a significant proportion of patients. Yes, because as you point out very nicely in your paper, and it, I have to admit rereading the paper, it always still strikes me, is that the vast majority of patients who come to an emergency room of chest pain will suffer from non-cardiac chest pain. Yeah, non-cardiac chest pain is, a, is an ongoing diagnostic problem for all physicians, emergency physicians, acute physicians and cardiologists. So from that point of view, uh, this paper is particularly relevant Good. So you looked at potentially using just one troponin sample, one negative high-sensitivity troponin sample. Is this an idea that's been around for some time? Well, I think it's important at this stage to get the concept of a negative high-sensitivity troponin right. Yes. Um, we looked at the at using a 99th centile cutoff value of our troponin T assay that we used. Um, whereas there's be also been very recent research that's investigated using detectable levels of troponin, i.e. whether the, the limits of detection of the assay, so whether any troponin is detectable in a patient's blood at all. Those two things are very different. Right. Okay. Understood. But what you also point out in your paper is that even in the era of high-sensitivity troponin, there is some merit in looking at other clinical factors as well, because even a high-sensitivity troponin can be improved upon if we look at other things. And, and you look specifically at the Goldman score. Yeah, so two things there. I think the research to date that looks at just troponin detection levels on its own always uses um, MI as a single endpoint. Now, we also looked at urgent revascularization, so major adverse cardiac events, which included that. So that's where clinical assessment becomes important for patients, um, to identify those perhaps that need urgent revascularization in the absence of, of an elevated troponin. And in order to do that, we focused on the Goldman risk score. Uh, you're exactly right. Good. And in fact, you developed uh, an, what's called an ADP, so an accelerated diagnostic protocol called TRUST, which was a combination of troponin measurements, ECG and the Goldman score. Can you tell us more about how that all came together? Is it something you've been formulating for a while or working on? Well, uh, the Goldman score initially came, uh, I noticed the Goldman score being used, used in clinical practice around the South Coast. So it was used to identify patients at 
low, intermediate and high risk. And its original design was specifically for use in low-risk emergency department patients. So that's where it differs from perhaps the TIMI or GRACE score, which was developed in high-risk ACS cohorts. So that's really why we decided to look at the Goldman score and, and see whether it may perform perform better as a result. You then combined it with the ECG and the troponin yeah. score. That's certainly a, a novel in, as far as I can see. Yeah, so um, we, d- we took the, uh, the Goldman risk score, actually a, mo- a slight modification of the original mod- uh, Goldman risk score, and used a non-ischemic ECG and combined it with this initial high sensitivity troponin T result uh, to see whether we could identify those at very low risk or low risk of major adverse events at 30 days. And from there, we may conclude that if those patients are low risk, they may be suitable for discharge after just a single troponin. Yes, and in terms of how you carried out the study, I I was really impressed. This was a prospective observational clinical trial, but you, you really did go to good lengths to make sure that this was implemented in a, a very practical clinical day-to-day fashion. So the tool that you devised was actually used by clinical staff, not dedicated research staff. Yes, yes, very much so. So the, we gave staff the Goldman score. Uh, they had little or no, no training in its use. It was, it was given as part of clinical care and asked staff to adjudicate the, the score from their initial findings of a clinical examination and history. So from that point of view, I think our study is actually very novel in that we don't use research nurse to interpret perhaps subjective elements of clinical history. We use actual treating physicians themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something that we can't deny. The Goldman score in particular is, does have some subjective elements. So I think by using uh, treating physicians in, in order to interpret that Goldman score, we've added something fairly novel to the literature. Absolutely. So turning to the results now, you found that your pathway, when implemented by clinical staff on the ground, really did have a high sensitivity for identifying acute myocardial infarction. The accelerated diagnostic pathway when it was implemented by clinical staff had a sensitivity of 98.8% and negative predictive value of 99.7%. In fact, the pathway only missed one patient who was classified as low risk and later diagnosed with an acute myocardial infarction. This patient was actually a 78-year-old female who was classified as low risk on the Goldman score, uh, had an initial troponin that was not elevated and had a minor troponin elevation at six hours. She was in fact treated medically uh, as a result of that uh, and didn't require any revascularization procedure. Fantastic. So overall a very encouraging negative predictive value result. And as you point out in your paper, that therefore means that perhaps around 40% of patients with a suspected acute coronary syndrome could be discharged from the emergency room after a single high sensitivity troponin measurement. You did an observational study. Is your plan now to to implement this in in real life and and follow up patients for real life uh, outcomes? That's a good question. Uh, We have a collaborative now in the south uh, which we're developing in order to implement the trust ADP into clinical practice. 
we've toyed with the idea of either performing a diagnostic randomized controlled trial mm. or directly implementing it into medical practice. I think we are now erring as a collaborative into its introduction clinically uh, with careful close follow-up. That has come in light of increasing pressures on emergency departments and we really need to do something about the ongoing problems with patients with chest pain. Yes, absolutely. So it's been a tough winter here in the UK and the need for a practical solution to patients presenting with chest pain is is certainly uh, paramount at the moment. Uh, I think one caveat we should perhaps say is that, as you point out in the paper, the uh, ethnic variation of the population in Poo is relatively limited. So in your South Coast Collaborative, will you be encompassing a wider socioeconomic and, and, and ethnic demographic? We will try to. It's difficult in the south of England. Um, I think at this stage I also should point out the other limitation to our study in that we didn't recruit patients over the age of 80. Mm. Uh, That has definite implications in introducing this pathway into clinical practice. And I would suggest that from a safety point of view, it hasn't been validated in those patients and therefore shouldn't be used with them. Yes, very good point. And in fact, in your hospital, the patients over 80 are perhaps seen by care of the elderly physicians, I suspect. Is that right? Yes. So for pragmatic reasons, we didn't recruit them. Yes, but certainly we do know that many of the patients who can be discharged, of course, are the ones who are are far younger, age 40 or 50. So the practical element of this paper is still very much there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Indeed, I'd be reticent to discharge an elderly patient overnight, even if they're trust ADP status was low risk. So I think actually the practical value is in those younger patients who can be discharged at any time of day. Yeah, fantastic. Are you planning any cost-effective analysis? I could imagine with the sort of data presented in the paper, cost-effectiveness would be enhanced a lot. Yes, so in future studies we'll look at cost-effectiveness analysis. We take a limited view from the data we have in this study uh, by simply analysing a reduction in troponin tests and an analysis of length of stay, which was reduced by a median time of about 11 hours, then we're looking at saving a lot of money for the NHS as a whole should this pathway be implemented. However, what we haven't collected is data which allows us to calculate qualies and follow up from that point of view. So making any meaningful conclusions about cost-effectiveness of this pathway is limited currently. Well, thank you very much, Ed, for a fascinating insight into a really novel way of looking at chest pain in the emergency department, a clinical dilemma, which, as you point out, is not going to go away in a hurry. So thank you very much for your insights. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Alison, for your time. Thank you.